y'all. <laughs> start the show. Hello everybody, how you doing today? It's me, it's Dr. E here on the scene and you know today I got a special guest and before I get into that you know I just want to kind of do a recap and kind of let you know a little bit about what this episode is going to be about. You know last time we got an opportunity to speak about loss and grief and so I felt like it was kind of important to extend that conversation but from a different perspective. Um, the last individual, JB, who was our previous guest, you know, brought up a few things that I thought that um, it would kind of be cool to expand on. And so um, I think that's what we're gonna do here today. The name of this particular episode, today's episode is gonna be, It's Just a Job. I thought that was very important because we need to understand that what we do is not um, all of who we are. And so I think that is very important. And so today we have Candy. Candy is a uh, police officer. Uh, in Texas. And so um, we're just going to, you know, leave it with the first name because I want to be able to speak very, I want her to be able to speak very candidly. And so I wanted, I want you to, you know, hear what it is that she has to say. Um, one of the best things about Candy that is, you know, is that, you know, she is uh, not only a police officer, but she is a African-American police officer. Um, so we're dealing with, you know, uh, a woman of color on the force. And so with so many things going on, I, th I felt it was important for the community to hear from someone, um, you know, of the same color as of someone that, you know, uh, you kind of can understand both sides of the fence and just, just get an idea of, you know, where she's coming from. So anyway, with that being said, Candy, I want to first of all welcome you uh, to the show. Hello, Dr. E. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. It's an absolute pleasure. I get so excited when people take the time to come out and uh, visit me. And also, in addition to visit, visiting me, you know, just take the time out to talk to those who listen and follow me. So, and uh, the goal here is just to provide them with information and just a different insight, um, you know, on different matters. So, um, I guess the first thing I want to know is, you know, what made you decide to become a police officer? Oh, that's a long story. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. Well, let's start with it was never an aspiration of mine. I would say that it ended up being I had school loans that I needed to pay. Mm -hmm. And a friend of mine coached me into looking at law enforcement. And at that time, I was like, oh, no, they shoot at people. <laughs> <laughs> So he had an ex-sister-in-law that he allowed me to speak to. Mm -hmm. And she brightened or broadened my horizon when it came to law enforcement, letting me know that there were several opportunities for Black women and just women in general, because I didn't see very many women on the department. And the few that I did see, they looked masculine 
Mm. So I definitely wasn't trying to go that route. <laughs> I'm a girly girl. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. You know, either way, the, the, the interesting part about what you said was that it wasn't intentional. You kind of fell into it. And, you know, um, a lot of people select careers that they kind of, you know, they kind of fall into due to other obligations, you know. And so it's interesting to hear that that was, you know, something that you fell into. Uh, you know, I think it's, um, we have a lot of police officers out there, it seems like, and I don't know if you get a chance to see them working beside them, that seem as if they aim for that position. And usually it seems as if it's for the wrong reason. I don't know, when you look around and you look beside you, do you, do you feel that there's police officers sometimes that tend to get beside themselves? Oh, yes, by all means. I, uh, I won't say a lot, but we do have our officers that do get beside themselves. You have the ones that feel like that's what they've always wanted to do since they were a kid. They can taste it, and I want to be a police. You have those. Then you have the ones who have the family who, you know, generation after generation, Mm -hmm. and they feel like that that's the career for them. I am first-time law enforcement for my family. No one in my family is police. I'm the first <laughs> one <laughs> and the only female. Okay. I have some more friends or family members that may go that route, but I am the first and only at this time. How do they feel about it? Since you brought a family, how, do, how, how does you being in that position impact... I don't know, family, because I'm sure you got, I mean, no no disrespect, but you black folks, you know, we got, and even if you wasn't, everybody, no matter what the race is, we have all kind of people in our family, so I'm sure everybody in your family ain't straight, they're not doing, you know, the right thing, so how do they you take you? know what, everybody got some bad apples in their family, mm-hmm. and, and, my, and the, uh, my situation, my family was not happy with me uh, joining the police department. Not at all. It was like my mother said, it's not another job you can find. Out of all the jobs, that's the only thing you can find was police. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, they're paying a decent salary, mama, and I have these loans, school loans to pay, and I couldn't find a job in the degree area that I studied. I was having a hard time. So that's how that came about. My dad never said a whole lot about it. It was more of, well, everybody got to do what they got to do. And, you know, most dads, they just kind of let you feel your way through. Mamas are outspoken. Very, very, very overprotective. Probably sometimes (laughs) a little too much because I'm sure there's a lot of people out there can just say, you know, Maya, I'm doing something, but maybe it's something that family did want me to do. And it was, you know, challenging for me or, or it's, you know, bring me anxiety or I'm unhappy with it. But but I do it. Uh, You know, in 2020, and I'm just going to hit on this a little bit, but in 2020, you know, we had the Black Lives Matter movement, you know, and it's interesting because I'm not going to word it out because I know that we have discussed it and discussed it and everybody been on top of it and it's not going to, um, it's not going to go away. At least we hope not because we want, we want individuals of all races to continue to, you know, stand up and and fight for the cause, you know, but I want to know, just as a African American woman, being on the police force, how did how did, how did those that season, I guess, impact you? Oh, well, Black Lives Matter uh, actually started before 2020, but it picked up more with the 
police brutality and mm-hmm. um, cameras. Actually, the cameras have made, shown the light on a lot of mistreatment and the things that brown people and people of color have said has gone on. So um, that Black Lives Matter in that aspect has really helped that we got more people on board and not only that they're not talking among themselves because we as Black people, we're good for talking among ourselves, but we don't do anything. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So with this cause, it's good to see that the cause is being pushed and more people are getting involved as well as all the different races and stuff. It's good to see more races that seem to understand or got a feel for whether they're dating someone Black or what, but they're feeling it now. That's interesting, you know, because I think that um, sometimes we can be kind of hard on other races, but, you know, there's no all in anything. And so you have to say kudos to those people who say, you know what, wrong is wrong, no matter what race it is. And so there's a respect that has to go there because, you know, in all races, we have, you know, very good people, you know, decent people, caring people, loving people, loyal people. And then, you know, in all races, we have people who, I don't know, uh, tend to be about evil and, you know, and just against humanity in, in general. So we just, we, you know, I applaud those people who say, you know what, even though I'm not the same color as you, I stand with you um, in this because it is wrong. You know, the treatment yes. is wrong. That's interesting. So I, I guess, you know, you mentioned the cameras and I'm thinking, how do the police officers, because you know, you guys been recording us for a long time, for a minute. Oh, yes. <laughs> so, you know, whether we're driving down the street or y'all got y'all wearing body cams or if the police car recording us, how yes. do you guys feel now that the, now that the camera is back on you? I'm glad you asked. They don't like it. <laughs> we don't like say. it. We don't like it. You know? Yeah. They do not like it. And it's strange that you ask that because there's a divide in those that do like it and those that don't. Ironically, most Black officers and Latinos, Browns, are okay with it. It's our other brothers that don't look like me that come from the vanilla family that don't like it. Uh, interesting. <laughs> but we have to, we doing it. We y'all, y'all been recording us for a long time. We ain't like yes. it. <laughs> yes, true. They feel like their rights are being violated. Wow. And, uh, they not being able to be real police because they're being recorded. Interesting. On, the, on every, as they say, every minute situation traffic stop. I think it's a good idea that the cameras got brought about. Cause if I had said some things were going on on the department 23 years ago when I started, then it would be looked upon differently. Oh no, that doesn't happen. These are real good officers. They would never do that. Yes, they would. Hold them up. But wait a minute, you said they can't be real police. So I guess the question would be, you know, what we're recording, is that being real police? Well, in Mm. their mind, real police is being able to talk and pop you across your head and say unsightly words or whatever. And it's okay. It's because I'm the police. Okay. And now 
is feel that I can't talk to them like I used to because you got to be polite or you can't just get down with the words you like to use to, uh, I guess, make a person feel the way you want them to feel. It's so. interesting because everybody you put cuffs on are not necessarily, you know, Crooks. bad people. Right. Right. Sometimes, not. sometimes people just made a, you know, a bad decision in the moment. Bad decision. And it yes. can happen real quick to anyone. So, you know, I feel like anyone that, that's beside themselves to think not me, you never know. And sometimes it's not even, you know, uh, because of your own doing it can be through misunderstandings because a lot yes. of times people who you know end up getting in trouble get killed it's because of someone else yes you know it's just like they say that well ignorance is no excuse to the law but mm -hmm. if you don't know you don't know so people tend to officers tend to violate black and brown people's rights because of lack of knowing hmm. okay so listen. not all but we do have our share okay but okay so now i know when i'm looking at a police officer you know my chances and you know little to none because you know they have the authority because of the fact that you know they wear the uniform not because that you know all police officers are good people but because they have the uniform on they're superior uh, than me, you know, and, and, you know, uh, us people in the community who don't wear the uniform. My question is, you know, have you encountered, and if you have, how have you handled encountering um, other officers who are a racist and you being an African-American woman and you also standing there with the same uniform? That's every day, but because the racism isn't just um let's get the right word for it you can tell by behavior attitude the racism they don't just go out and say uh black people do this other than when i will say one did say something that was uh it irritating to me and that was we happened to ask him hey how did you get a chick-fil-a chicken sandwich because there was the thing last year, the lines were everywhere, all out of the place. Was it Chick-fil-A or Church's Chicken? It may have been Church's Chicken, but one of them was doing something with the chicken sandwich. Oh, that was Popeye's. I can tell you what that oh, was. was. That was Popeye's, Popeye's. Okay. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't eat it, so I couldn't remember. But yes, yeah, somebody had a line that was out of this world. And his comment was, Oh, well, I can go and uh, get a chicken sandwich or, or Popeye's chicken sandwich because we don't have all those black people in our neighborhood. Interesting. Right. I was like, oh, I'm sorry. You know? But you feel that way. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. Hmm. Right. I was, I was thrown that he made the comments so blanketly. I was like, okay. Do you feel like you get a fair shot in your face? No. Realistically. I, do I think. I don't think black women get a fair shot. It's because you all, um, I can only speak for my police department and a lot of them in Texas. They are, um, what do you call it? a man's occupation primarily? That's one thing. And the people who did the policing back in the 30s and the 40s were white men. So moving forward, they still carry that mindset on the police department in Texas that 
it's the good old boy system. We're going to take care of our brothers. Mm. That's my brother, but their brother isn't the same as me and my black brother and counterparts. It's the opposite brothers. That's interesting because um, it's interesting that that exists in the police department also because we know we know that it exists in the corporate world, you know, everywhere else. You know, so it's interesting to see that you have to fight the same battle, you know, being uh, African-American, you know, and a part of the, you know, the police force. Now, I'm going to shift gears just a little bit. Let me shift just, just, just a little bit because, you know, uh, we've been talking about being, you know, a police officer in the job itself. But I guess I want to know, you know, there's been a lot of families who have lost members, okay? And it's been at the hands of police officers, okay? Just as a human being, how does that make you feel? I'm very sad that it had to happen like that. Um, personally, some of the, the, quite a few of them that I've seen, I'm like the regular everyday citizen. That could have been my sister, Tatiana, Floyd, could have been my uncle, my brother, um, Felipe, I forget what his name was, but he actually had a, a license to carry a weapon and he got gunned down in the passenger seat of his car by police when you tell him to show him that your gun and then you shoot him because you're afraid this is what i don't like a lot of uh we call them vanilla people <laughs> whites are afraid of black people it's the color of our skin they're more afraid of the color of our skin than the people we are we are nothing to them so when they see a black person, that's the first thing come to mind. Oh, the boogeyman going to kill me. They're going to hurt me or something. Oh, wow. Oh, it's horrible. Yes. Wow. Then it made me want to go back to wonder about when you have those stops and you stopping, you know, uh, Caucasian people or, you know, other people who are not African-American or what you call brown people. It, you know, how do they receive you walking up to the car? When they see me... Oh, from what I've been told, <laughs> they see a little woman, and how are you going to be police? What are you going to do? And usually when I'm going to the car, I'm stopping them for a valid reason. So I'm not stopping jacking with a person like a lot of officers tend to do that don't look like me. Mm -hmm. I have a valid reason. Either your blinker light wasn't working, and I can t you can tell because you can see it clicking real fast. Sometimes people just don't know that their brake lights aren't working, their blinkers may not be working, the headlight may not be working. I give a warning and let them know that, hey, you got this situation going on and you may need to check on it. In the process, yes, I run their name. It's because I need to know who I'm talking to. But Have I don't you, just think, yes. No, no, I'm sorry for cutting you off. I just, wanna, I just wanted to go back to, have you ever found yourself in a dilemma, you know, being, a, you know, between wanting to help a family and being a police officer? No, I try to treat everybody the same. I had a young lady who had her two children in her car and she didn't have them in a seatbelt. And the other one wasn't in a child, uh, a child seat. Ran her, she happened to have warrants. Well, it's easy to make a person's life uncomfortable. 
why do that to a person? This young lady is still struggling, probably trying to deal with motherhood and everything else and got a hoopty car. So in that situation, she was mad at the police. It didn't matter whether it was me or anybody. The fact was she was still, as we say, pissed off at the police. I had to take her to jail because of the warrants that she had. But mm -hmm. I gave her the opportunity to contact her mother or family so that they could come get her children. One thing I don't want is for her kids to go into the system and then they little kids, you know, and mom is gone. Right. How you explain that to a child in the system, even if it's for two hours, six hours, 15 hours, when it's all said and done, mom is the only person that they normally see quite frequent. So I wouldn't, I didn't want that child or those two children to deal with that. In the end, was able to get a hold of the young lady's mom and her mother did get in her butt and tell her, hey, this young lady didn't have to do this for you. So she went all out her way to call me to come get the kids. While you're mad at her, you should be mad at yourself because you failed to take care of your business. Well, it sounds so, like there is some, some moments where compassion consumes you because, you know, you did go like the extra mile. So it sounds like, you know, there are moments where, you know, you have to do a job, but also, you know, your heart kind of goes out you know, to the people. Oh yeah, definitely. You have your, the officers that do want to do good and they do, they do just like I did. I didn't do anything different than any other officer. We have our, I'll say 20% bad officers. The other 80% roughly try to do right. You have your share and we might mess up. I may mess up. I had a lady call me out one day believe it or not. And she told me I did not have to be mean. Well, she said rude. <laughs> I didn't have to be rude to her. And you know, when I told her to leave and she came back around, I stopped her and I told her, you know something, you are so right. I was wrong. I didn't have to come to her like that. All I needed to tell her was to just move your car. But because I had been telling several people, several people the same thing and the signs were posted, I took it out on her. So I owed her an apology and I gave her an apology. Well, so last time, my, you know, previous set, you know, my previous show, you know, we talked about loss and grief. And I guess my first question to you, do you know the difference between loss and grief? I must say I can't put my hand on it right now. What I would think of loss is losing someone and grief is dealing with it long term. But mm. I could be wrong. So mm, that's interesting. You know, well, loss is just, you know, the thing that's not there anymore, whether okay. it's a particular thing or, you know, the individual or whatever, whatever the case may be. Grief is how you feel about the okay. thing that you lost. Okay. Okay. So yes. with that being said, I guess I want to know that, you know, as a human personally, have you dealt with any losses, you know, and if so, you know, how did you grieve them? On the police department as in uh, officers that have been with me? Is well, that where you... Well, he, whether, whether it's other officers, whether it is, you know, um, for those people whom you, you know, served out in the community or you see, or even just personally, family members, you know, I don't know if you ever had a family member that has, you know, dealt with police officers 
um, who are not so kind to people of color. So I don't know, have you dealt with any kind of a loss? And if so, how do, how do you grieve it? Uh, the loss that I had, it was so long ago, but every year around that time of the death or the birthday, that's when it's the hardest. And I actually talked to his children that look so much like him and it helps it helps me to deal with the loss or the grief of him being no longer there okay or the loss of him no longer being there because his kids were babies when the dad died so okay. they don't even know him <laughs> they okay. just look like him <laughs> on the department i had a friend officer who was killed oh my it's probably been about 15 years ago and uh i still have his phone number in my phone <laughs> that's kind of weird i never called it anymore i know it may still work maybe his kids kept it i really don't know mm -hmm. but um i still have a phone number in my phone because i used to talk to him at least once a week and when he was killed it just stopped i think about him periodically but not as much as the loss of the cousin it's interesting because it seems like when you speak about you know each one of those individuals it seemed like the way you cope is keeping the memory alive yes i guess that's it mm -hmm. <laughs> that seemed like that's what you do you don't you know um a lot of times when people have loss you know of a, of a loved one you know they um they tend to think, oh, I need to take the picture down or, you know, I can't visit the grave or I don't need to, you know, say nothing about them. We're not going to mention them. But a lot of times working through, you know, the grief process would be acknowledging the fact that, you know, the person existed and the role that they played in their life or how things could have been, you know, different. I even tell, you know, some of my clients to take the time to, to speak toward that individual. You know, there's nothing wrong with that because somewhere in there, you should be able to hear that person speak back because you remember you remember them so that you know what they would have said. And so you'd be surprised how you can hear that recording in your head because we all tend to do that. We leave that imprint on the ones that we love because we're always saying something and talking to them, you know? That is so true. And uh, for you to say that, that is right. Because if I didn't talk to that cousin or see his boys who are now grown, that would be an empty spot in my life or in my heart. And I think it would have been harder to, to get through. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's been 27, 28 years since he was killed, but I think about him quite often. And like I said, now that you have Facebook and all of that stuff, yeah. I can look at his uh, kids' pictures, whatever they put up online and stuff, and be like, boy, he sure looked like his daddy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he looked mm -hmm. like his daddy. He went into the occupation that his daddy wanted to go into, but his life was taken. Yeah. And that's yeah. amazing. Yeah. But he says, you know, you know, the, 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 the key is knowing that you don't have to forget about that person. You don't have to close all the doors. You you are welcome to talk about them and acknowledge the fact that they walk the face of the earth and tell their story. You know, people always yeah. be in a rush to uh, move on, you know, from that individual whom they lost. But 
instead of like being in a rush to like, I need to forget about it. It's like, why not embrace the impact that they've had, you know, in your life? So, so I find that to be interesting. Um, I'm, I'm going to switch gears uh, again, because okay. a lot of times people don't know this because every time we think about, you know, the police officer, at least a lot of time we think about police officers, we always think about, you know, you know, uh, tickets and, you know, uh, getting in trouble, going to jail, uh, you know, it seems like it's always all that extra. The bad stuff. Yeah, it's like all this extra. I guess I want to know if you was going to talk to the community, what services would you tell them that, that we might not even know out here? that the, the, the police department offer uh, to us citizens beyond giving us tickets and taking us to jail, rasping us to the ground. Like, what else, okay. what else y'all do? Well, um, we have the PAL organization. That's where officers get together and uh, work with the youth to see to it that they stay on track. And in the process, maybe one or two of those may become officers in the future. Mm-hmm. The other thing is, is that um, we have our uh, neighborhood something, I don't forgot the actual acronyms and stuff for it, where they go out and see uh, a community or a family that's having some problems and we get together and pool money to provide that family with some type of help that they could use at that particular moment, whether it be fans or air conditioning, food, clothing. Uh, a couple of months ago, there was a family just got a, uh, a place to live. She had five children and she needed beds. So we couldn't get you brand new beds, but it was quite a few people that had beds. You know, when you get a new house or something like that, you'd be like, well, I, I want to keep this bed because somebody might need it. You don't want to always give everything to Goodwill or the Salvation Army because they sell it and somebody could really use it and they don't have the money to buy it. So we came up with five beds and everything for the kids to at least have a bed. Food for her, uh, for the house and stuff. Clothing to at least get them through a couple of days and things. Just basic stuff. Um, let's see, what else? We do a lot more that I can't really think about. Oh, yeah. Uh, Letting them know resources such as uh, things that are in that city, our city, that will help with utility bills and stuff. When we find out information, we try to provide it to our community. We go to various uh, community meetings and things like that to provide information and resources so that they'll know what's going on. Not everybody... Uh, realize just because we're police, we deal with the legal side, but we're also human and we want to provide to our community. Okay, so how do people tap into that though? You know, because most of the time, you know, we sitting out here and don't think we know, here go to Popo, here go to 12, here go to, I mean, we got all kind of names for y'all. I'm just gonna go and tell you. So it's like, You know, it's various different departments. That's the only thing I can say. So I couldn't tell you how you would tap into it. That's interesting. Different stations or precincts that do different things. 
Well, I so, would just say they can call up to whatever, you know, um, police department precinct. and accounting. Yeah, and just yes. kind of ask them, hey, this is what I need, you know, whether it is for funeral services or community outreach or right. need, needing, uh, you know, police escort or to, you know, check in. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know, you know, but I've seen police officers go to school and talk to you, not only yes. to put youth in cuffs, but to also no, talk to youth. and are not putting youths in cuffs. <laughs> Okay, Only when you become in the state of Texas, I let people know in the state of Texas, you are considered grown at 17. Mm -hmm. If you commit a crime, then yes, you do get handcuffs. But other than that, if you're not doing anything wrong, you are a child until you're 18. <laughs> mm -hmm. So I'm going to give you a moment. I'm going to give you a moment to take a deep breath. And what I'm going to ask you, because I want you to think about this, because this is so important. What I'm going to ask you is if you was going to say anything to our community or, you know, you felt that there was something important that we needed to know, you know, what would you say? Okay. On the negative side, I would say, people, when you know you got a dirty background, please stop having your children in your vehicle with you your mom, your parents, or whomever, and then you get stopped and the officer search your vehicle and they starting to sling your kids around and your mom and stuff like that. You know your background is dirty. Don't be putting those people in your vehicle. Clean your stuff up first before you start bringing people in. You know you got a warrant out for your arrest. Take care of your business first before you have your child in there. Because if it's a felony warrant, for sure, the white officer is going to look at you as the boogeyman and you're going to get shot. Mm, that's messed up because just because it a family is. member did it don't mean everybody did it. That, that's that's It's messed up. So everybody it prosecuted. Is. Yes. So that hurts me more than anything. I wish that our, our community who has dirty backgrounds take care of your business. Mm. Quit bringing these babies and having these kids in these cars thinking that, oh, well, the police not going to stop me because I got my babies in the car and stuff like that. They do stop you. And then now you're putting these kids in a situation where ain't they going to CPS or something like that or a chance of getting shot at. Number two, the number two thing that I do not like, please quit giving our kids these play guns. Folks don't look at our kids as human as they do like their kids. They mm -hmm. teach their kids how to shoot guns and stuff. Mm -hmm. We didn't grow up in communities where we going and shooting and hunting and all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. So please stop giving our babies guns and things like that, those play guns. They're mm -hmm. cute, but I don't like them. I have two boys of my own. Mm -hmm. I never let my kids play with guns as they were growing up. They're grown now. Mm -hmm. So when they have their own family, I hope that they decide to follow that same rule. Okay, now, so I got to say something on this because I'm like, I don't know if I 100% agree because every child that carry a gun may not be thinking about doing something wrong. They could be looking, thinking, hey, I'm going to be a police officer one day, you know, because they saying, they see, you know, cops come across the screen or some other little, you know, police officer on the TV that's, you know, animated. I don't know. So they could be saying, hey, I want to be a police officer one day. And then the second part of that is, 
why can't we? And I'm not saying I, you know, I think we should or we shouldn't. I'm not saying either way, but I'm just saying if they're teaching their young people, because I have seen, you know, um, people of other races, you know, teach kids 12, 13, 14 how to shoot. Why aren't we allowed to teach our kids the same thing? Because people misunderstand. They tend to think that, you know, African-Americans don't hunt or African-Americans don't. I mean, we, we enjoy some of the same recreational tasks as everybody else. So it's like, why we got to be, you know, stereotyped? And what if, what if, what if some people want to teach, what if we want to teach our kids how to hunt, some, hunt or something? That is true. To piggyback on the first one that you were asking about, I wasn't saying that uh, our kids having guns as being criminals my thing is is our kids having to play guns and they're just playing with each other pow 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 then when you see a policeman or something you got your play gun and you say pow 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 mm. i know those babies didn't mean anything but that police officer nine times out of ten he's already looking at our children as boogeyman because mm. that's what they're looking at as mm. they grow you got your 16 year old who probably had a BB gun or something when he was growing up. He may be walking down the street with a BB gun. Mm. It's okay for white people to walk down the street with rifles and shotguns. It's okay. But when you see a black person with a gun, it's a crime. Mm. So that's my thing when I say... So we need to be on our best like behavior. Her. That's what it sounds like. You know, it's messed up because that goes to... Uh, I, I guess we still got work to do. That's that's bottom line. It goes to you know what we already know is that we still have like work to do because that's that's unfortunate because you know we it, it's just the fact that you know there shouldn't be. I mean it is it it exists, but there shouldn't be that that difference. So that part is unfortunate. You know that is so true. It's very unfortunate. And to piggyback on what you were saying about our hunting and things like that it's several black people that hunt and things i do know my nephew uh he hunts don't know how he got into it but he likes to go hunting with his friends and stuff like that they do we do have black people that do hunt on um, uh i think we as a black family we don't normally have guns in our house pistols when we did back in the day that was for protection or to shoot the animals that came around the house, which was shotguns. And this day and time, we don't have pistols and stuff and we don't teach our kids about the nature of a gun. I taught my boys when I got on the department and showed them how my gun worked and everything because I wanted them to know this is not a toy. When my bedroom door is closed, that means my weapon is out. It's not put up. Do not enter my room. We got along fine with that. That was the rule. Okay. So now, they had an opportunity to touch my gun and pull the trigger and everything like that. I don't, maybe in law enforcement as police officers, we do that with our kids, but um, I can't say most. A lot of kids, black kids, they just have parents who carry guns illegally. So you're not mm. training the kids. They mm. don't know that this can hurt you. The mm. gun is not what hurts you. It's not being able to use it properly is what hurts you. So they pull the trigger not knowing that there's bullets in there and you done shot somebody. Now, we know that um, a career isn't, you know, the only measure of our value. You know, a lot, you know, a lot of times we get caught up with what we do for a living and, you know, how much ching-ching we make and things of that nature. But 
that is not, you know, our only measure of value. Okay. So yes. with that being said, I guess away from being a police officer, what else do you engage in? What else is important to you? Oh, shoot. Life. I love life. <laughs> Tell me what that is because see, people think life is the, is the job. I got some people working morning, noon, and night, weekends. I'm almost kind of guilty. Weekends, I, <laughs> but I'm like, you know, they don't take no breaks. They, they, they all in. So tell me what life looks no, like. You know when I get out of this, when I get out of this blue suit, that's it. You will never know I'm a police officer unless I tell you or you have to see my badge. I love to travel. I like to run, skate, hike, walk. Uh, you name it. I like to do it. I like to live life to the fullest. On my tombstone, that's what I tell my family. You ain't got to say we gonna miss you and all of that put on her. She lived life to the fullest. That is what I like to do. Outside of my career, this is a career, not that I chose, but I fell into. I love what I do. Don't get me wrong. But once I'm out of this blue suit, I'm free. I'm doing something else and I'm enjoying it. I like to hang out with my friends and have lunch or brunch or whatever. But you would never know I was a police unless you see me making arrests. And I've had some people who've seen me and they'd be like, you police, how you know? Mm -hmm. okay. <laughs> but other than that, I don't carry myself like a police officer. And I, I don't know how police officers really carry themselves. But I know I've been told I don't look like a police. So mm -hmm. that's the ultimate compliment to me well you done told me that when you walk up with the suit on they done told you you're a little short and what you do a being police so you don't sound like you looking like police with your with your suit also but it's all good i'm just saying but anyway <laughs> you know i had to um uh, i had you know i had to get that in there you know they, everybody know i can't i wouldn't be me if i ain't gone get it get that in there but you know it's interesting because a lot of times it's easy for people to feel like they failed in life you know if they're not in a certain place and so um, I just think it's important for people to understand that life is, can be uh, whatever you make it to be. And it's not just around, you know, the label that, uh, you know, you have for as a career. Now, that's not to say that, you know, uh, choosing and selecting a career is a good career that's going to provide you the income you need for living isn't important because, too, you want to do something that you love to do. And you want to do something that's going to get you the lifestyle you want. Like you said, when you went into the field, you know, that one, that wasn't intentional, but it tend to have worked out, you know, for you over these years to provide you, you know, the lifestyle that you, that you deem, you know, for yourself, you know? So I think yes. that it's very important for people, um, for people to kind of, you know, to know. I think that's yes. important for people to know, you know? So anyway, with that being said, um, I want to tell you thank you for, you know, taking the time to come on the show. And I just, you know, I felt like it was a good opportunity to get, you know, a different perspective because, you know, um, I guess, you know, kind of what they call from the horse's mouth, you know, yes. to see, you know, that everybody is, is only a job. You know, I, I feel bad sometimes, you know, and when I think about the police officers, especially since, you know, I have police officers close to me. And when things are happening, riots are going on, you know, I think about, I know those individuals personally, and I know that, you know, uh, I know their heart and, you know, I know that they have family and I know, you know, where their point of view is and where they stand. And, you know, for those people who have police officers and their families are close to them, you know, or people in security suits, whatever that suit may be, that bring protection, 
you know, all of them, you know, all of them don't mean harm. You know, everybody is, you know, it's a job. And some of them, they're there to provide for their families. And that is their only, you know, their only goal is to provide for their families and make sure that their family have what they need. They might even be doing something that they, you know, they didn't even want to do, but they do the job because that's what is, that's what's required in order for them to make it. So I just want, you know, the people in the community to know that you guys are just not out there handing out tickets and, and locking us up. Um, you know, and just, I mean, I guess I'm going to end with this because I want to know how can we be careful? Like what, what can we do, you know, to try to eliminate being shot up, you know? I really couldn't tell you because I've seen several videos myself and the officers did, the, the citizens did everything that the officer wanted, yet they were pepper sprayed, shot, uh, pulled by their hair out of a vehicle. All I can tell you is that we as black people are viewed as the boogeyman when it comes to other nationalities. The one thing I will say to maybe minimize some of this is that we need to pull our britches up. Stop walking around looking like thugs and stuff like that. Not that everybody who wear their britches down are thugs, but why are you showing your butt cheeks all over the place looking like your mama hadn't trained you or something like that? You make yourself look suspicious or out of the ordinary. The other thing is if you get a citation or something, go ahead and take care of it within the 21 days. Go to court. I would advise everybody who get a citation, go to court on it and pay your bill or set up whatever you need to do. But don't just let it wing up, sit around and turn into a warrant and then you got another situation on your back. Uh, if you're committing crimes, burglaries or whatever, why? Why don't you go to school, get some type of trade, get some type of training, be a, um, what do you call it? Uh, um, oh God. A uh, helper, there you go. A helper to someone that's a mechanic or something. No, you may not make the money that they make, but you're learning the skill so that when it's time for you to step up, you can be acknowledged. Those are things that I think as a community, and these are the, believe it or not, these are only the 10 to 20% of the bad people that are doing that to make the other 80% of us look bad because mm. all black people are not bad for the most majority of black people that i know just in my family yeah we have our hooks and crooks mm -hmm. but the most majority of them they work they went to school or they worked hard and got a trade mm -hmm. and learned something and they took care of their families or taking care of their families we got our 10 10 20 percent they're the bad but not all black people are bad or not all people are bad. I'll just say that. So those are things that I think that we should do. Take care of your tickets and stuff. Get that out the way. Don't let that be a reason to keep you down and then start looking at crime as your only way to succeed. And it's mm. not. Mm. We, I look it's... back at our 
forefathers and stuff, they had businesses and things. So why is it that mm. we don't have business now? Yeah. We got the uh. brains to do it. We just got to work together and work with each other and stop being afraid that one person who got an apple more, uh, uh, a shinier apple is the better apple than your little scrawny apple. You just didn't get an opportunity to put some plant food on yours, so yours just didn't grow as well. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. All right, Candy, hold up, hold up. Let me tell you, because there's a couple of things, and, and, and I'm gonna have to bring you back, you know, at a, at a later time for this, but one, I like the fact how you cleared up the fact that everybody have their pants hanging down and all of that are not uh, criminals, because I'm gonna tell you something. I have seen dudes, with they had sitting on top of the head, not on the head, but just on top of the head yeah. with big chains on and they would have white beaters on, some flip flops, you know, they might have a little sag on, but it's a neat yeah. sag. In other words, they yes. got it, you know, they ain't, you know, whatever. And they are the most educated young men that I have ever seen. I, they be invested in real estate and stock. What I'm saying is that, you know, it's, it's messed up still that a person can't be authentic to their true self and that you look at someone to determine, you know, their their worth or what they or what they have, because realistically, I have been, uh, you know, just baffled as some of the young men that have came across and have taught Dr. E, uh, and that that that's one part. The other part was, you know, what you're saying is 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 I I halfway agree with it. I I do. The other half of me say, you know what? The, everybody don't have the same opportunity. People like to say that, oh, we all got the same opportunity. I, I might even say it depending on what we're talking about, but but that's no, really we untrue. Don't. We don't all have the same opportunity. Now, I'm not saying that that mean that we go out here and be criminals. I'm not saying that. But what I am going to say is that sometimes when we, like when we start this podcast, we say people make mistakes. And sometimes that one mistake can end up being so costly and they might end up with a felony or something. And even if they didn't deserve it and, 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 and someone took it upon themselves to put it on them. I, I had someone that the police officer tripped them and said that they fell on them and that they harmed them. And so that yes. person ended up with a felony and realistically they didn't do nothing wrong. It was a right. setup. And my thing is that felony can impact them for the rest of their lives. And so it gets hard for them to even get a job to even right. make ends meet. So it is now I'm not saying we do a life of crime. I'm not saying yes. that, but I am just saying that it's, you know, we can't assume that all, all of us have like an equal shot because it's different. And even, and I have seen a lot of times where people have been to these careers doing the right thing spinning their wheels, working hard, and still getting nowhere because of the fact that, you know, they haven't been awarded the opportunity to get anywhere. You know, I agree. it's just, I think people missed it. Yes. Anyway, I agree with you. But, you know, we'll, we'll come back a second round for uh, this, but at another <laughs> time, but I definitely want to just kind of, you know, iterate on that. And, uh, but anyway, but other than that, I'm gonna go back and just say that, no, it's an absolute pleasure you know, uh, having you and I appreciate you come, you know, being here and I hope that you do come back. I really do. I, I plan to, and thank you so much. And may I say one more thing Yes, for those who are interested in becoming a police, please apply, look online to your local police department and apply. We need more black representation. Even if it may be your stepping stone, you stay there two to five years, get the experience 
learn something from it and move on. But it makes a difference when our kids, our babies see somebody of color when they go somewhere else and it's not always Mr. Man gonna beat them down on the across their head because he mad he working in this area. So please, the police department is hiring all over. I know they are trying to do the defund the police department. As I said, not all police are bad. Even my white police friends, they're not all bad, but we do have some bad apples all over it. I'll just put it that way. So if you get a chance and that's something you're interested in, we have a multitude of departments you can work in. Go and apply, become an officer, get your feeling. Like I said, if it's not something you wanna do for the rest of your career, I did 23 years out of accident. Believe me, I just came and I was gonna do two years. Look at me, 23 years later, but I love my job. Okay. Thank you. No, thank you. And I'm gonna say, you know, if they been if they been kind to of you, please be kind to my police officers out there because they all do go home to someone who who loved them. And like I say, a lot of them are just trying to take care of their families. Anyway, this is Dr. E, the life savvy queen. I'm out. Hello, everybody. How you doing today? It's me. It's Dr. E here on the scene. And, you know, today I got a special guest. And before I get into that, you know, I just want to kind of do a recap and kind of let you know a little bit about what this episode is going to be about. You know, last time we got an opportunity to speak about loss and grief. And so I felt like it was kind of important to extend that conversation, but from a different perspective. Um, the last individual, JB, who was our previous guest, you know, brought up a few things that I thought that um, it would kind of be cool to expand on. And so um, I think that's what we're going to do here today. The name of this particular episode, today's episode is going to be, it's just a job. I thought that was very important because we need to understand that what we do is not um, all of who we are. And so I think that is very important. And so today we have Candy. Candy is a uh, police officer. Uh, in Texas. And so um, we're just going to, you know, leave it with the first name because I want to be able to speak very, I want her to be able to speak very candidly. And so I wanted, I want you to, you know, hear what it is that she has to say. Um, one of the best things about Candy that is, you know, is that, you know, she is uh, not only a police officer, but she is a African-American police officer. Um, so we're dealing with, you know, uh, a woman of color on the force. And so with so many things going on, I, th I felt it was important for the community to hear from someone, um, you know, of the same color as of someone that, you know, uh, you kind of can understand both sides of the fence and just, you know, just get an idea of, you know, where she's coming from. So anyway, with that being said, Candy, I want to first of all, welcome you uh, to the show. Hello, Dr. E. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. It's an absolute pleasure. I get so excited when people take the time to come out and uh, visit me. And also, in addition to visit, visiting me, you know, just take the time out to talk to those who listen and follow me. So, and uh, the goal here is just to provide them with information and just a different insight, um, you know, on different matters. So, um, I guess the first thing I want to know is, you know, what made you decide to become a police officer? Oh, that's a long story. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. Well, let's start with it was never an aspiration of mine. I would say that. 
it ended up being I had school loans that I needed to pay. Mm-hmm. And a friend of mine coached me into looking at law enforcement. And at that time, I was like, oh, no, they shoot at people. (laughs) (laughs) So he had an ex-sister-in-law that he allowed me to speak to. Mm -hmm. And she brightened or broadened my horizon when it came to law enforcement, letting me know that there were several opportunities for Black women and just women in general, because I didn't see very many women on the department and the few that I did see they looked masculine Mm. so I definitely wasn't trying to go that route (laughs) I'm a girly girl (laughs) (laughs) there's nothing wrong with that you know either way the the, the interesting part about what you said was that it wasn't intentional you kind of fell into it and you know um, a lot of people select careers that they kind of, you know, they kind of fall into due to other obligations, you know, and so it's interesting to hear that that was, you know, something that you fell into, uh, you know, I think it's, um, we have a lot of police officers out there, it seems like, and I don't know if you get a chance to see them working beside them, that seem as if they aim for that position, and usually it seems as if it's for the wrong reason, I don't know, when you look around and you look beside you, do you do you feel that there's police officers sometimes that tend to get beside themselves? Oh yes, by all means. I uh, I won't say a lot, but we do have our officers that do get beside themselves. You have the ones that feel like that's what they've always wanted to do since they were a kid. They can taste it, and I want to be a police. You have those. Then you have the ones who have the family who, you know, generation after generation. Mm -hmm. And they feel like that that's the career for them. I am first time law enforcement for my family. No one in my family is police. I'm the first (laughs) one (laughs) and the only female. I have some more friends or family members that may go that route, but I am the first and only at this time. How do they feel about it? Since you brought a family, how how, how does you being in that position impact... I don't know, family, because I'm sure you got, I mean, no no disrespect, but you black folks, you know, we got, and even if you wasn't, everybody, no matter what the race is, we have all kind of people in our family, so I'm sure everybody in your family ain't straight, they're not doing, you know, the right thing, so how do they take you? Know you everybody you got some bad apples in their family, mm-hmm. and, and, my, and uh, my situation, my family was not happy with me uh, joining the police department. Not at all. It was like my mother said, it's not another job you can find. Out of all the jobs, that's the only thing you could find was police. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, they're paying a decent salary, mama, and I have these loans, school loans to pay, and I couldn't find a job in the degree area that I studied. I was having a hard time. So that's how that came about. My dad never said a whole lot about it. It was more of, well, everybody got to do what they got to do. And, you know, most dads, they just kind of let you feel your way through. Mamas are outspoken. Very, very, very overprotective. Probably sometimes (laughs) a little too much because I'm sure there's a lot of people out there can just say, you know, Maya, I'm doing something, but maybe it's something that family did want me to do. And it was, you know, challenging for me or, or it's, you know, bring me anxiety or I'm unhappy with it. But but I do it. 
yes. you know, in 2020, and I'm just going to hit on this a little bit, but in 2020, you know, we had the Black Lives Matter movement, you know, and it's interesting because I'm not going to word it out because I know that we have discussed it and discussed it and everybody been on top of it and it, it's not going to, um, it's not going to go away. At least we hope not because we want, we want individuals of all races to continue to, you know, stand up and, and fight for sure. the cause, you know, yes. but I want to know just as a African-American woman, being on the police force, how did, how, did, how did those, that season, I guess, impact you? Oh, well, Black Lives Matter uh, actually started before 2020, but it picked up more with the police brutality and mm -hmm. um, cameras. Actually, the cameras have made, shown the light on a lot of mistreatment and the things that brown people and people of color have said has gone on. So um, that Black Lives Matter in that aspect has really helped that we got more people on board and not only that they're not talking among themselves because we as black people, we're good for talking among ourselves, but we don't do anything. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So with this cause, it's good to see that the cause is being pushed and more people are getting involved as well as all the different races and stuff. It's good to see more races that seem to understand or got a feel for whether they're dating someone Black or what, but they're feeling it now. That's interesting, you know, because I think that um, sometimes we can be kind of hard on other races, but you know, there's no all in anything. And so you have to say kudos to those people who say, you know what, wrong is wrong, no matter what race it is. And so there's a respect that has to go there because, you know, in all races, we have, you know, very good people, you know, decent people, caring people, loving people, loyal people. And then, you know, in all races, we have people who I don't know, uh, tend to be about evil and, you know, and just against humanity in, in general. So we just, we, you know, I applaud those people who say, you know what, even though I'm not the same color as you, I stand with you um, in this because it is wrong. You know, the treatment yes. is wrong. That's interesting. So I, I guess, you know, you mentioned the cameras and I'm thinking, how do the police officers, because, you know, you guys been recording us for a long time, for a minute. Oh, yes. No, you know, whether we're driving down the street or y'all got y'all wearing body cams or if the police car recording us. How yes. do you guys feel now that the now that the camera is back on you? I'm glad you asked. They don't like it. <laughs> we don't like say. it. We don't like it. You know? Yeah. They do not like it. And it's strange that you ask that because there's a divide in those that do like it and those that don't ironically most black officers and latinos browns are okay with it mm. it's our other brothers that don't look like me that come from the vanilla family that don't like it uh, interesting <laughs> say, but we have to we doing it we y'all y'all been recording us for a long time we ain't like yes. it <laughs> yes true they feel like their rights are being violated wow and, uh, they not being able to be real police because they're being recorded Interesting. On, the, on every, as they say, every minute situation traffic stop. 
I think it's a good idea that the cameras got brought about. Because if I had said some things were going on on the department 23 years ago when I started, then it would be looked upon differently. Oh, no, that doesn't happen. These are real good officers. They would never do that. Yes, they would. Hold them up. But wait a minute. You said they can't be real police. So I guess the question would be, you know, what we're recording, is that being real police? Well, in mm. their mind, real police is being able to talk and pop you across your head and say unsightly words or whatever. And it's okay. It's because I'm the police. Okay. And now it's filled that I can't talk to them like I used to because you got to be polite or you can't just get down with the words you like to use to, uh, I guess, make a person feel the way you want them to feel. It's so. interesting because everybody you put cuffs on are not necessarily, you know, Crooks. bad people. Right, right. Sometimes, not... sometimes people just made a, you know, a bad decision in the moment bad decision. and it yes. can happen real quick to anyone so you know i feel like anyone that, that's beside themselves to think not me you never know and sometimes it's not even you know uh because of your own doing it can be through misunderstandings because a lot yes. of times people who you know end up getting in trouble get killed it's because of someone else yes you know it's just like they say that well Ignorance is no excuse to the law, but if you don't know, you don't know. So people tend to, officers tend to violate black and brown people's rights because of lack of knowing. Hmm. Okay, so listen. Not all, but we do have our share. Okay, but, okay, so now I know when I'm looking at a police officer, you know, my chances and, you know, little to none because, you know, they have the authority because of the fact that, you know, they wear the uniform, not because that, you know, all police officers are good people, but because they have the uniform on, they're superior uh, than me, you know, and, in, in, you know, uh, us people in the community who don't wear the uniform. My question is, you know, have you encountered, and if you have, how have you handled encountering um, other officers who are a racist and you being an African-American woman and you also standing there with the same uniform. That's every day. But because the racism isn't just, um, let's get the right word for it. You can tell by behavior, attitude, the racism. They don't just go out and say, uh, black people do this other than when I will say one did say something that was uh, it irritating to me and that was we happened to ask him hey how did you get a Chick-fil-a chicken sandwich because there was the thing last year the lines were everywhere all out of the place was it Chick-fil-a or church's chicken it may have been Church's Chicken, but one of them was doing something with the chicken sandwich. Oh, that was Popeye's. I can tell you what that oh, was. was. That it was Popeye's. Popeye's. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't eat it, so I couldn't remember. But yes, yeah, somebody good. had a line that was out of this world. And his comment was, oh, well, I can go and uh, get a chicken sandwich, a uh, Popeye's chicken sandwich, because we don't have all those Black people in our neighborhood. Interesting. Right. I was like, oh, I'm sorry. You know, you feel that way. <laughs>
That's interesting. Hmm. Right. I was I was thrown that he made the comment so blanketly. I was like, okay. Do you feel like you get a fair shot in your feet? No. Realistically. I, do I don't think I don't think black women get a fair shot. It's because you all um I can only speak for my police department and a lot of them in Texas. They are um what do you call it? a man's occupation primarily that's one thing and the people who did the policing back in the 30s and the 40s were white men so moving forward they still carry that mindset on the police department in texas that it's the good old boy system we're gonna take care of our brothers mm. that's my brother but that brother isn't the same as me and my black brother and counterparts it's the opposite brothers that's interesting because um it's interesting that that exists in the police department also because we know we know that it exists in the corporate world you know everywhere else you know so it's interesting to see that you have to fight the same battle you know being uh african-american you know and a part of the you know the police force now i'm gonna shift gears just a little bit let me shift just 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 a little bit because you know uh, we've been talking about being, you know, a police officer in the job itself, but I guess I want to know, you know, there's been a lot of families who have lost members, okay, and it's been at the hands of police officers, okay, just as a human being, how does that make you feel? I'm very sad that it had to happen like that. Um, personally, some of the the quite a few of them that I've seen, I'm like the regular everyday citizen. That could have been my sister, Tatiana, Floyd, could have been my uncle, my brother, um, Felipe, I forget what his name was, but he actually had a, a license to carry a weapon and he got gunned down in the passenger seat of his car by police. When you tell him to show him that your gun and then you shoot him because you're afraid. This is what I don't like. A lot of, uh, we call them vanilla people. <laughs> Whites are afraid of black people. It's the color of our skin. They're more afraid of the color of our skin than the people we are. We are nothing to them. So when they see a black person, that's the first thing come to mind. Oh, the boogeyman going to kill me. They're going to hurt me or something. Oh, wow. Oh, it's horrible. Yes. Wow. Then it made me want to go back to wonder about when you have those stops and you stopping, you know, uh, Caucasian people in, or, you know, other people who are not African-American or what you call brown people. It, you know, how do they receive you walking up to the car? When they see me, oh, from what I've been told... <laughs> They see a little woman, and how are you going to be police? What are you going to do? And usually when I'm going to the car, I'm stopping them for a valid reason. So I'm not stopping jacking with a person like a lot of officers tend to do that don't look like me. Mm -hmm. I have a valid reason. Either your blinker light wasn't working, and I can t you can tell because you can see it clicking real fast. Sometimes people just don't know that their brake lights aren't working, their blinkers may not be working, the headlight may not be working. I give a warning, let them know that, hey, you got this 
situation going on and you may need to check on it. In the process, yes, I run their name. It's because I need to know who I'm talking to. But I, I don't just make, yes. No, no, I'm sorry for cutting you off. I just wanna I just wanted to go back to have you ever found yourself in a dilemma, you know, being a you know, between wanting to help a family and being a police officer? No. I try to treat everybody the same. I had a young lady who had her two children in her car and she didn't have them in a seatbelt. And the other one wasn't in a child uh a child seat ran her she happened to have warrants well it's easy to make a person's life uncomfortable why do that to a person this young lady is still struggling probably trying to deal with motherhood and everything else and got a hoopty car so in that situation she was mad at the police it didn't matter whether it was me or anybody the fact was she was still as we say pissed off at the police i had to take her to jail because of the warrants that she had but mm -hmm. I gave her the opportunity to contact her mother or family so that they could come get her children. One thing I don't want is for her kids to go into the system and then they little kids, you know, and mom is gone. Right. How you explain that to a child in the system, even if it's for two hours, six hours, 15 hours, when it's all said and done, mom is the only person that they normally see quite frequent. So I wouldn't, I didn't want that child or those two children to deal with that. In the end, was able to get a hold of the young lady's mom and her mother did get in her butt and tell her, hey, this young lady didn't have to do this for you. So she went all out her way to call me to come get the kids. While you're mad at her, you should be mad at yourself because you failed to take care of your business. Well, it sounds so, like there is some, some moments where compassion consumes you because you know you did go like the extra mile so it sounds like you know there are moments where you know you have to do a job but also you know your heart kind of goes out you know to the people oh yeah definitely you have your the officers that do want to do good and they do they do just like i did i didn't do anything different than any other officer we have our i'll say 20 percent bad officers the other 80 percent roughly try to do right you have your share and we might mess up i may mess up i had a lady call me out one day believe it or not and she told me i did not have to be me well she said rude <laughs> i didn't have to be rude to her and you know when i told her to leave and she came back around i stopped her and i told her you know something you are so right i was wrong i didn't have to come to her like that all I needed to tell her was to just move your car. But because I had been telling several people, several people the same thing and the signs were posted, I took it out on her. So I owed her an apology and I gave her an apology. Well, so last time, my, you know, previous set, you know, my previous show, you know, we talked about loss and grief. And I guess my first question to you, do you know the difference between loss and grief? I must say, I can't put my hand on it right now. What I would think of lost is losing someone and grief is dealing with it long-term, but mm. I could be wrong, so. Mm, that's interesting, you know. Well, loss is just, you know, the thing that's not there anymore, whether okay. it's a particular thing or, you know, the individual or whatever, whatever the case may be. Grief is how you feel. 
about the okay. thing that you lost. Okay. Okay. So yes. with that being said, I guess I want to know that, you know, as a human personally, have you dealt with any losses, you know, and if so, you know, how did you grieve them? On the police department, as in uh, officers that have been with me? Is well, that where you... Well, no. he, well, that, whether it's other officers, whether it is, you know, um, for those people whom you, you know, served out in the community or you see, or even just personally, family members, you know, I don't know if you ever had a family member that has, you know, dealt with police officers um, who are not so kind to people of color. So I don't know, have you dealt with any kind of a loss? And if so, how do, how do you grieve it? Oh, uh. The loss that I had, it was so long ago, but every year around that time of the death or the birthday, that's when it's the hardest. And I actually talked to his children that look so much like him. And it helps, it helps me to deal with the loss or the grief of him being no longer there. Okay. Or the loss of him no longer being there. Because his kids were babies when the dad died. So mm -hmm. they don't even know him. <laughs> they okay. just look like him. <laughs> That's all right. On the department, I had a friend officer who was killed. Oh, my. It's probably been about 15 years ago. And uh, I still have his phone number in my phone. <laughs> That's kind of weird. I never called it anymore. I know it may still work. Maybe his kids kept it. I really don't know. Mm -hmm. But um, I still had a phone number in my phone because I used to talk to him at least once a week. And when he was killed, it just stopped. I think about him periodically, but not as much as the loss of the cousin. It's interesting because it seems like when you speak about, you know, each one of those individuals, it seemed like the way you cope is keeping the memory alive. Yes, I guess that's it. <laughs> mm -hmm. That seemed like that's what you do. You don't, you know, um, a lot of times when people have loss, you know, of a, of a loved one, you know, they, um, they tend to think, oh, I need to take the picture down or, you know, I can't visit the gray or I don't need to, you know, say nothing about them. We're not going to mention them, but a lot of times working through, you know, the grief process would be acknowledging the fact that, you know, the person existed and the role that they played in their life or how things could have been, you know, different. I even tell, you know, some of my clients to take the time to, to speak toward that individual. You know, there's nothing mm -hmm. wrong with that because somewhere in there, you should be able to hear that person speak back because you remember, you remember them so that you know what they would have said. And so you'd be surprised how you can hear that recording in your head because we all tend to do that. We leave that imprint on the ones that we love because we're always saying something and talking to them, you know? That is so true. And uh, for you to say that, that is right. Because if I didn't talk to that cousin or see his boys who are now grown, that would be an empty spot in my life or in my heart. And... I think it would have been harder to to get through. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's been 27, 28 years since he was killed, but I think about him quite often 
And like I said, now that you have Facebook and all of that stuff, yeah. I can look at his uh, kids' pictures, whatever they put up online and stuff, and be like, boy, he sure look like his daddy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he mm-hmm. like his daddy. He went into the occupation that his daddy wanted to go into, but his life was taken. Yeah. And that's yeah. amazing. Yeah, but he says, you know, you know, the 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 key is knowing that you don't have to forget about that person. You don't have to close all the doors. You you are welcome to talk about them and acknowledge the fact that they walk the face of the earth and tell their story. You know, people always yeah. be in a rush to uh, move on. You know, from that individual whom they lost. But instead of like being in a rush to like, I need to forget about it. It's like, why not, why not embrace? the impact that they've had, you know, in your life. So, so I find that to be interesting. Um, I'm, I'm going to switch gears uh, again, because okay. a lot of times people don't know this, because every time we think about, you know, the police officer, at least a lot of time we think about police officers, we always think about, you know, you know, uh, tickets and, you know, uh, getting in trouble, going to jail, uh, you know, it seems like it's always all that extra. The bad stuff. Yeah, it's like all this extra. I guess I want to know if you was going to talk to the community, what services would you tell them that that we might not even know out here that the 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 police department offer uh to us citizens beyond giving us tickets and taking us to jail harassing us to the ground like what else okay. what else y'all do well um we have the pal organization that's where officers get together and uh work with the youth to see to it that they stay on track and in the process, maybe one or two of those may become officers in the future. Mm-hmm. The other thing is, is that um, we have our uh, neighborhood something, I don't forgot the actual acronyms and stuff for it, where they go out and see uh, a community or a family that's having some problems and we get together and pool money to provide that family with some type of help that they could use at that particular moment, whether it be fans or air condition, food, clothing. Uh, a couple of months ago, there was a family just got a, uh, a place to live. She had five children and she needed beds. So we couldn't get you brand new beds, but it was quite a few people that had beds. You know, when you get a new house or something like that, you'd be like, well, I, I want to keep this bed because somebody might need it. You don't want to always give everything to Goodwill or the Salvation Army because they sell it and somebody could really use it and they don't have the money to buy it. So we came up with five beds and everything for the kids to at least have a bed. Food for her, uh, for the house and stuff. Clothing to at least get them through a couple of days and things. Just basic stuff. Um, let's see, what else? We do a lot more that I can't really think about. Oh, yeah. Uh, Letting them know resources such as uh, things that are in that city, our city, that will help with utility bills and stuff. When we find out information, we try to provide it to our community. We go to various uh, community meetings and things like that to provide information and resources so that they'll know what's going on. Not Mm -hmm. everybody... Uh, realize just because we're police, we deal with the legal side, but we're also human and we want to uh, provide to our community. 
Okay, so how do people tap into that though? And you know, because most of the time, you know, we sitting out here and on thing, we know here go to Popo, here go to 12, here go to, I mean, we got all kind of names for y'all. I'm just gonna go and tell you. So it's like, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's various different departments. That's the only thing I can say. So I couldn't tell you how you would tap into it. That's different. That's yeah. different stations or precincts they do different things. Well, I so, would just say they can call up to whatever, you know, um, police department precinct. and accounting. Yeah, and just yes. kind of ask them, hey, this is what I need, you know, whether it is for funeral services or community outreach or right. need, needing, uh, you know, police escort or to, you know, check in. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know, you know, but I've seen police officers go to school and talk to you, not only yes. to put youth in cuffs, but to also no, talk to youth. and they're not putting youths in cuffs. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Only when you become in the state of Texas, I let people know in the state of Texas, you are considered grown at 17. Mm -hmm. If you commit a crime, then yes, you do get handcuffs. But other than that, if you're not doing anything wrong, you are a child until you're 18. <laughs> mm -hmm. So I'm going to give you a moment. I'm going to give you a moment to take a deep breath. And what I'm going to ask you, because I want you to think about this, because this is so important. What I'm going to ask you is if you was going to say anything to our community or, you know, you felt that there was something important that we needed to know, you know, what would you say? Okay. On the negative side, I would say, people, when you know you got a dirty background, please stop having your children in your vehicle with you your mom, your parents, or whomever, and then you get stopped and the officer search your vehicle and they starting to sling your kids around and your mom and stuff like that. You know your background is dirty. Don't be putting those people in your vehicle. Clean your stuff up first before you start bringing people in. You know you got a warrant out for your arrest. Take care of your business first before you have your child in there. Because if it's a felony warrant, for sure, the white officer is going to look at you as the boogeyman and you're going to get shot. Mm, that's messed up because just because it a family is. member did it don't mean everybody did it. That, that's that's true. It's messed up. So everybody it prosecuted. Is. Yes. So that hurts me more than anything. I wish that our, our community who has dirty backgrounds take care of your business. Mm. Quit bringing these babies and having these kids in these cars thinking that, oh, well, the police not going to stop me because I got my babies in the car and stuff like that. They do stop you. And then now you're putting these kids in a situation where they're going to CPS or something like that or a chance of getting shot at. Number two, the number two thing that I do not like, please quit giving our kids these play guns. Folks don't look at our kids as human as they do like their kids. They mm -hmm. teach their kids how to shoot guns and stuff. Mm -hmm. We didn't grow up in communities where we going and shooting and hunting and all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. So please stop giving our babies guns and things like that, those play guns. They're mm -hmm. cute, but I don't like them. I have two boys of my own. Mm -hmm. I never let my kids play with guns as they were growing up. 
they're grown now. Mm-hmm. So when they have their own family, I hope that they decide to follow that same rule. Okay, now, so I got to say something on this because I'm like, I don't know if I 100% agree because every child that carry a gun may not be thinking about doing something wrong. They could be looking, thinking, hey, I'm going to be a police officer one day, you know, because they saying they see, you know, cops come across the screen or some other little, you know, police officer on the TV that's, you know, animated. I don't know. So they could be saying, hey, I want to be a police officer one day. And then the second part of that is, why can't we? And I'm not saying I, you know, I think we should or we shouldn't. I'm not saying either way, but I'm just saying if they're teaching their young people, because I have seen, you know, um, people of other races, you know, teach kids 12, 13, 14 how to shoot. Why aren't we allowed to teach our kids the same thing? Because people misunderstand. They tend to think that, you know, African-Americans don't hunt or African-Americans don't. I mean, we, we enjoy some of the same recreational tasks as everybody else. So it's like, why we got to be you know, stereotyped, and what if, what if, what if some people want to teach, what if we want to teach our kids how to hunt, hunt or something? That is true. To piggyback on the first one that you were asking about, I wasn't saying that uh, our kids having guns as being criminals. My thing is, is our kids having the play guns, and they're just playing with each other, pow, pow, pow. Then when you see a policeman or something, you got your play gun, and you say, pow, pow, pow. Mm. I know those babies didn't mean anything, but that police officer, nine times out of 10, he's already looking at our children as boogeyman's because that's what they're looking at. Mm. As they grow, you got your 16-year-old who probably had a BB gun or something when he was growing up. He may be walking down the street with a BB gun. Mm. It's okay for white people to walk down the street with rifles and shotguns. It's okay. But when you see a black person with a gun, it's a crime. Mm. So that's my thing when I say So we need to be on our best behavior. That's what it sounds like. You know, it's messed up because that goes to uh, I, I guess we still got work to do. That's that's bottom line. It goes to, you know, what we already know is that we still have like work to do because that's that's unfortunate because you know, we're, it's just the fact that, you know, there shouldn't be, I mean, it, is, it exists, but there shouldn't be that, that difference. So that part is unfortunate, you know? That is so true. It's very unfortunate. And to piggyback on what you were saying about uh, hunting and things like that, it's several Black people that hunt and things. I do know my nephew, uh, he hunts. Don't know how he got into it, but he likes to go hunting with his friends and stuff like that. They do, we do have Black people that do hunt. Um, uh, I think we, as a Black family, we don't normally have guns in our house, pistols. When we did back in the day, that was for protection or to shoot the animals that came around the house, which was shotguns. And this day and time, we don't have pistols and stuff, and we don't teach our kids about the nature of a gun. I taught my boys when I got on the department and showed them how my gun worked and everything because I wanted them to know this is not a toy. When my bedroom door is closed, that means my weapon is out. It's not put up. Do not enter my room. We got along fine with that. That was the rule. Okay. So they had an opportunity to touch my gun and pull the trigger and everything like that. I don't know. Maybe in law enforcement as police officers, we do that with our kids, but um, I can't say most. A lot of kids, black kids, they just have parents who carry guns illegally. So you're not Mm. training the kids. They Mm. don't know that 
this can hurt you. The mm. gun is not what hurts you. It's not being able to use it properly is what hurts you. So they pull the trigger not knowing that there's bullets in there and you done shot somebody. Now, we know that um, a career isn't, you know, the only measure of our value. You know, a lot, you know, a lot of times we get caught up with what we do for a living and, you know, how much ching-ching we make and things of that nature. But that is not, you know, our only measure of value. Okay. So yes. with that being said, I guess away from being a police officer, what else do you engage in? What else is important to you? Oh, shoot. Life. I love life. <laughs> Tell me what that is because see, people think life is the, is the job. I got some people working morning, noon, and night, weekends. I'm almost kind of guilty. Weekends, I, you know, <laughs> but I'm like, you know, they don't take no breaks. They, they, they all in. So tell me what life no, looks like. You know, when I get out of this, when I get out of this blue suit, that's it. You will never know I'm a police officer unless I tell you or you have to see my badge. I love to travel. I like to run, skate hike, walk, uh, you name it. I like to do it. I like to live life to the fullest. On my tombstone, that's what I tell my family. You ain't got to say we gonna miss you and all of that put on her. She lived life to the fullest. That is what I like to do. Outside of my career, this is a career, not that I chose, but I fell into. I love what I do, don't get me wrong. But once I'm out of this blue suit, I'm free. I'm doing something else and I'm enjoying it. I like to hang out with my friends and have lunch or brunch or whatever, but you would never know I was a police unless you see me making arrests. And I've had some people who see me and they'd be like, you police, how you know? Mm -hmm. okay. <laughs> but other than that, I don't carry myself like a police officer and I, I don't know how police officers really carry themselves, but I know I've been told I don't look like a police. So mm -hmm. that's the ultimate compliment to me. Well, you done told me that when you walk up with the suit on, they done told you you're a little short and what you do a being police. So you don't sound like you looking like police with your with your suit on. So, but it's all good. I'm just saying. But anyway, <laughs> you know, I had to um I had you know I had to get that in there. You know, they everybody know I can't, I wouldn't be me if I ain't gone get it get that in there. But you know, it's interesting because a lot of times it's easy for people to feel like they failed in life, you know, if they're not in a certain place. And so um, I just think it's important for people to understand that life is, can be uh, whatever you make it to be. And it's not just around, you know, the label that, uh, you know, you have for as a career. Now, that's not to say that, you know, uh, choosing and selecting a career is a good career that's going to provide you the income you need for living isn't important because too you want to do something that you love to do and you want to do something that's going to get up you the lifestyle you want like you said when you went into the field you know that one that wasn't intentional but it tends to have worked out you know for you over these years to provide you you know the lifestyle that you that you deem you know for yourself you know so i think yes. that it's very important for people um for people to kind of you know to know I think that's yes. important for people to know, you know? So anyway, with that being said, um, I want to tell you thank you for, you know, taking the time to come on the show. And I just, you know, I felt like it was a good opportunity to get, you know, a different perspective because, you know, um, I guess, you know, kind of what they call from the horse's mouth, you know, yes. to see, you know, that everybody is, is only a job, you know, I, I feel bad sometimes, you know, and when I think about, 
the police officers, especially since, you know, I have police officers close to me. And when things are happening, riots are going on, you know, I think about, I know those individuals personally, and I know that, you know, uh, I know their heart and, you know, I know that they have family and I know, you know, where their point of view is and where they stand. And, you know, for those people who have police officers and their families are close to them, you know, or people in security suits, whatever that suit may be, that bring protection, you know, all of them, you know, all of them don't mean harm. You know, everybody, you know, it's a job. And some of them, they're there to provide for their families. And that is their only, you know, their only goal is to provide for their families and make sure that their family have what they need. They might even be doing something that they, you know, they didn't even want to do but they do the job because that's what is, that's what's required in order for them to make it. So I just want, you know, the people in the community to know that you guys are just not out there handing out tickets and, and locking us up. Um, you know, and just, I mean, I guess I'm going to end with this because I want to know how, how can we be careful? Like what, what can we do, you know, to try to eliminate being shot up, you know? I really couldn't tell you because I've seen several videos myself and the officers did, the, the citizens did everything that the officer wanted, yet they were pepper sprayed, shot, uh, pulled by their hair out of the vehicle. All I can tell you is that we as Black people are viewed as the boogeyman when it comes to other nationalities. The one thing I will say to maybe minimize some of this is that we need to pull our britches up. Stop walking around looking like thugs and stuff like that. Not that everybody who wear their britches down are thugs, but why are you showing your butt cheeks all over the place looking like your mama hadn't trained you or something like that? You make yourself look suspicious or out of the ordinary. The other thing is, if you get a citation or something, go ahead and take care of it within the 21 days. Go to court. I would advise everybody who get a citation, go to court on it and pay your bill or set up whatever you need to do. But don't just let it wing up, sit around and turn into a warrant and then you got another situation on your back. Uh, if you're committing crimes, burglaries, or whatever, why? Why don't you go to school, get some type of trade, get some type of training, be a, um, what do you call it? Uh, um, oh, God. A helper. There you go. A helper to someone that's a mechanic or something. No, you may not make the money that they make. But you're learning the skill so that when it's time for you to step up, you can be acknowledged. Those are things that I think as a community, and these are the, believe it or not, these are only the 10 to 20% of the bad people that are doing that to make the other 80% of us look bad. Because mm -hmm. all Black people are not bad. For the most majority of Black people that I know, just in my family, yeah, we have our hooks and crooks, mm -hmm. but the most majority of them, they worked. They went to school or they worked hard and got a trade mm -hmm. and learned something. They took care of their families or taking care of their families. 
we got our 10, 10, 20% that are bad, but not all black people are bad or not all people are bad. I'll just say that. So those are things that I think that we should do. Take care of your tickets and stuff. Get that out the way. Don't let that be a reason to keep you down and then start looking at crime as your only way to succeed. And it's mm. not. Mm. We, I look it's... back at our forefathers and stuff. They had businesses and things. So why is it that mm. we don't have business now? Yeah. We got the uh. brains to do it. We just got to work together and work with each other and stop being afraid that one person who got an apple more, uh, 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 shinier apple is the better apple than your little scrawny apple. You just didn't get an opportunity to put some plant food on yours, so yours just didn't grow as well. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. All right, Candy, hold up, hold up. Let me tell you, because there's a couple of things, and, and, and I'm gonna have to bring you back, you know, at a, at a later time for this, but one, I like the fact how you cleared up the fact that everybody have their pants hanging down and all of that are not uh, criminals, because I'm gonna tell you something. I have seen dudes, with they had sitting on top of the head, not on the head, but just on top of the head yeah. with big chains on and they would have white beaters on, some flip flops, you know, they might have a little sag on, but it's a neat mm -hmm. sag. In other words, they yes. got it, you know, they ain't, you know, whatever. And they are the most educated young men that I have ever seen. I, they be invested in real estate and stock. What I'm saying is that, you know, it's, it's messed up still that a person can't be authentic to their true self and that you look at someone to determine, you know, their their worth or what they or what they have. Because realistically, I have been, uh, you know, just baffled as some of the young men that have came across and have taught Dr. E. Uh, and that that that's one part. The other part was, you know, what you're saying is 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 I I halfway agree with it. I I do. The other half of me say, you know what? everybody don't have the same opportunity. People like to say that, oh, we all got the same opportunity. I, I might even say it depending on what we're talking about, but but that's no, really we untrue. Don't. We don't all have the same opportunity. Now, I'm not saying that that mean that we go out here and be criminals. I'm not saying that. But what I am going to say is that sometimes when we, like when we started this podcast, we say people make mistakes. And sometimes that one mistake can end up being so costly and they might end up with a felony or something. And even if they didn't deserve it and, 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 and someone took it upon themselves to put it on them. I, I had someone that the police officer tripped them and said that they fell on them and that they harmed them. And so that yes. person ended up with a felony and realistically they didn't do nothing wrong. It was a right. setup. And my thing is that felony can impact them for the rest of their lives. And so it gets hard for them to even get a job to even right. make ends meet. So it is, now I'm not saying we do a life of crime. I'm not yes. saying that, but I am just saying that it's, you know, we can't assume that all, all of us have like an equal shot because it's different. And even, and I have seen a lot of times where people have been to these careers doing the right thing spinning their wheels, working hard, and still getting nowhere because of the fact that, you know, they haven't been awarded the opportunity to get anywhere. You know, I agree. it's just, I think people missed it. Yes. Anyway, I agree with you. But, you know, we'll, we'll come back a second round for oh. this, but at another <laughs> time, but I definitely want to just kind of, you know, iterate on that. And, uh, but anyway, but other than that, I'm gonna go back and just say that, no, it's an absolute pleasure. 
you know, uh, having you and I appreciate you come, you know, being here. And I hope that you do come back. I really do. I, I plan to, and thank you so much. And may I say one more thing Yes, for those who are interested in becoming a police, please apply, look online to your local police department and apply. We need more black representation. Even if it may be your stepping stone, you stay there two to five years, get the experience, learn something from it and move on. But it makes a difference when our kids, our babies see somebody of color when they go somewhere else and it's not always Mr. Man gonna beat them down on the, across their head because he mad he working in this area. So please, the police department is hiring all over. I know they're trying to do the defund the police department. As I said, not all police are bad. Even my white police friends, they're not all bad, but we do have some bad apples all over. I'll just put it that way. So if you get a chance and that's something you're interested in, we have a multitude of departments you can work in. Go and apply become an officer, get your feeling. Like I said, if it's not something you want to do for the rest of your career, I did 23 years out of accident. Believe me, I just came and I was going to do two years. Look at me, 23 years later, but I love my job. Okay. Thank you. you no, know, thank you. And I'm going to say, you know, if they've been, if they've been kind of you, please be kind to my police officers out there because they all do go home to someone who, who loved them. And like I say, a lot of them are just trying to take care of their families. Anyway, this is Dr. E, the life savvy queen. I'm out. Thank you for tuning in to Encouraging Your Dreams with Dr. Eastland. If you would like to reach out to Dr. Eastland, please email her at info at guidingcreativeminds.org. We also encourage you to follow Dr. Eastland on both Facebook and Twitter to stay up to date with what's going on. Thank you.